Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of The Comedian Helping Comedians. I have a very unique and one-of-a-kind person today, uh, possibly famous as well. Ooh, um, Welcome in Gina DiMaggio. They can't get enough of you. Hello. Hey. How are you? I'm great. How are you doing? I'm happy, man. It's just cool. It's on this side of town. It's about nine o'clock. Um, well, I think we're we're both on the on the east side of the east of the coast. map. Yeah, it's so weird because I don't know if to call Atlanta the East Coast. It doesn't have that attitude. So I call it this. I guess it's the South. I just call it the South. Right. But we right, but right. we're in the same time zone. So how has your week been going? Today is um you know middle part of the week. Middle part of the week. We're on Wednesday. We're over the hump, so I'm pretty happy. It's been going crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm getting ready to do three comedy shows uh, in the end part of the week, so I'm excited about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and been teaching the rest of the week, so that's it so far. I love that. Okay. Well, for for those who aren't acquainted with you, and we're going to get into talking about those uh, those comedy shows that you have, um, tell us a little bit about yourself, your background. I think it's very fascinating. <laughs> My background is, let's see, I grew up in a, in a small blue collar town and, um, you know, pretty, pretty interesting. When you were saying a possibly famous, I'm not possibly famous, but I do have the famous last name DiMaggio. So usually that's something that like, you know, people notice and they ask if I'm related and stuff like that, which I am. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when I was growing up, um, yeah, right out of high school, got married and have, had a kid, which was not very common for you know, people where I grew up, but mm-hmm. did all that right away. I'm like, you know what? Let me do all the life experiences in a two-year period. So <laughs> let me get married, I'll have a kid and get divorced and done. That's it. I'm ready for retirement. <laughs> they get that off the, let's just get that out <laughs> the way real quick, right? <laughs> I, <laughs> exactly. Let's just do it all. Why not? Oh, wow. So interesting. So you said you grew up in a blue-collar town. Did you grow up near, like where Bruce Springsteen grew up? No, he's all the way in South Jersey by the shore, by the beaches. I'm up, I'm right outside New York City. I'm like seven miles away from New York City. Okay. Um, so so that's what it's like, yeah. Now, do a lot of New Jerseyans have um, a, like a chip on their shoulder uh, versus New York or what? Oh, you know, it's funny. There's a stigma. There's a big stigma about being from New Jersey if, in, if you're in New York. So if you're in New York and they go, oh, where are you from? Thinking like, which borough? And you say, oh, I'm, I'm right from, I'm like your neighbor. But in New Jersey, it's like, ooh, New Jersey, <laughs> that's a rough one. So it's, a, it's definitely a stigma attached to living in New Jersey. You really? Know, people, people, there's bad association. You know, what good things besides the Springsteen, you know, can you associate with New Jersey? It's got like Jersey Shore and the Sopranos. Everything's like negative, you know? Okay. The Turnpike and the Parkway. Oh, wow. <laughs> Interesting, but you had the New Jersey Nets for a period of time, which was cool. 
Um, mm-hmm. you, uh, New Jersey has a lot of different cultures. It's one of the most diverse in um, in, in Central Jersey, in South Jersey, um, and even North Jersey, but more primarily towards that part of Jersey. It's one of the most diverse uh, areas in the, in the United States. There's more languages spoken in Jersey than any uh, state in the United States. Any state in the United States. Did you know really? that? Yeah, you, you can look it up. Jersey I has the many. Oh yes, yeah, so many different immigrant populations. How did that affect how you grew up in New Jersey? Because you, you definitely, and I would assume you were around so many different cultures, right? Yeah, yeah. When I was growing up, uh, yeah, my two best friends were Indian. Yeah, like it was, it was pretty diverse. Um, I mean, I grew up in towns that did have a lot of Italian Americans, but I always felt, you know, my I was not an immigrant myself. My grandparents were immigrants, but I did feel that very like ethnic cultural thing, you know, like in the background. So I always felt like I stood out a little bit like, why are all my clothes crocheted and nobody else's are? You know, it's like that. But, oh, damn. Okay. But we, <laughs> like what's going on? We were going for cookouts, like in the, in the park in Jersey city where you can overlook the Statue of Liberty mm-hmm. and you know, people to a barbecue, you bring hot dogs, hamburgers, but no, my family came with giant pots with like sauce and like neck bones of animals and oh, like yeah. meatballs. You know yeah. It's like, this isn't, I don't, why, which one of these folks is not like the other? Other people aren't eating this. They're just having hot dogs and hamburgers. That's what you're supposed to do. But, you know, as you get older, you realize like, oh, you're not the only ones who stand out. Everybody comes from different backgrounds and they all have their food that they bring. You know what I mean? Everybody's got their, not everybody's having hot dogs and hamburgers. Everybody's bringing whatever they grew up with. So, um, so it's, it's interesting. But yeah, I grew up with friends. It's funny. One of my, my one of my first bosses, at, at an internship I had in college, looked at, she goes, let me see what your friends look like. She said to me, and she looked at the picture, she goes, your friends are like the United Nations, she said, because there was literally like somebody from every, every group that there could be. That was, that was my friend group. So um, my friends were pretty diverse. Oh, wow. I would love to be cool with your family talking yeah. about bringing neck bones and, and uh, I would take that over hot dogs and, <laughs> and uh, burgers any day. Some you're nice- like, I'm still on the food. Oh yeah, I love the meatball. I'm a, I am an eating about person. The food I mentioned. Oh good. yes, and and we're gonna be cool because I want to. You know, I don't know. Are you are you a good cook at all or no? I am a good cook, but here's what's interesting <laughs> is I do think that I might have been born into uh, the wrong. I'm not huge with Italian food. My favorite favorite food. Anyone who knows me from when I was a little girl knows that my favorite food is fried chicken. And so on Facebook, you'll see people post, like my, my elementary school friends will post pictures of fried chicken with candles on it. So, really? Because I, that's it. But, but I did not grow up with that. So like there wasn't that in my house. I had to like venture out to get that. Instead, we were having pasta and meatballs and I would look at it with like a frown. But like when I go on dates, the guys, they're like, oh my God, let's go to an Italian restaurant. They think like, this is great. We're going to go to an Italian restaurant. She's going to cook this Italian food. No. I'm making chicken on the boat, not just fried chicken, but like a chicken. I'm a big fan of too. Like, I don't know. I don't know where I came from. I definitely am not like big with the Italian food. So. Oh, wow. Okay. So now you have I'm like a... the odd, the odd uh, child. Okay. I feel you. Yeah. And my grandfather grew up, you know, in Baltimore, <laughs> we have a little Italy, which is a very, you know, Baltimore has a lot of Italian people as well. And um, he used to work, um, I hate to be stereotypical, but he did work for certain uh, underworld activities of the time that were run by certain people. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it was interesting. He learned a lot of his stuff in his game from, uh, from you know, the Italian jo- brothers down in, uh, you know, Little Italy and Baltimore. Now, did anybody in your family, what type of cars did your family drive? What kind of cars? That's a good question. I have no idea 
I and this sounds like a stereotypical woman. I have no idea about cars. Okay. We did not drive nice cars. I don't have, unfortunately, I don't have any mob connections. I wish I did. (laughs) Because there would have been nicer cars. (laughs) I don't know what kind of cars they drove uh, when I was growing up. I have no idea. All I know is Mm -hmm. my friends were getting cars for their graduation, and I got a karaoke machine. That's what I know. Damn, that's real. I got the short end of the stick. But let me tell you, I can sing a mean karaoke. Okay. No. <laughs> okay. What are some of your favorite karaoke I can't songs? Oh my. Okay. So my number one song is "Chain of Fools," and I also do "Total Eclipse of the Heart." Those are my two. Total Eclipse of the Heart. Okay, I like yes. that song. So, how many drinks does it take and for you to start Fools, singing, Aretha though? Franklin. Those are the two. What? How many? How many drinks does it take for you to start doing a karaoke thing? Because I need at least two or three no. drinks. <laughs> really? Yeah. No. But you know, it, it, you can hear my voice is raspy now. So. I've had to change them through the years, so now I'm doing like Rod Stewart. I have to find the raspy singers, so <laughs> like male singers. I have to sing the men's part. Yeah. Oh, so you're doing Barry White now? You take what you could get. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Mister Mike. What that's, are you gonna do? that's interesting. Okay, so tell us. Okay, interesting. So, so, so growing up in Jersey and stuff, um, what would you say? Um, you know, in terms of how that shaped you as a person in your worldview, especially what's going on in 2020. How do you think um, growing up in that time period with all those diverse friends, how does that affect you in the way that you see what's going on in America right now? Oh, well, there's a lot going on in America, but I will tell you that like I moved a bunch of times growing up. So I went to six different schools and lived, I also lived in North Carolina when I was little. Whoa. Um, And so, yeah, I lived in North Carolina and then I moved back and forth in New Jersey to a few different towns and the towns were very different. So like, the town that I ended up in in high school was not as diverse as the town that I lived in before. So mm-hmm. everybody was like me for mm-hmm. the most part. It was a very Italian and Polish town. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I just thought, well, this is, you know, this is the norm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I went to NYU for college and it obviously it's a lot different. It's much more diverse. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Like certain things that I think, um, you know, the way that the townspeople fought in this small town that I lived in in high school, you know, I could see, you can see the lack of diversity in their ways of thinking, Mm -hmm. you know? And so I think that's, you know, kind of interesting because now I teach back in that town that I was in Mm -hmm. and you see like the effect of that in the kinds of things you're teaching and the kinds of books that you're teaching. So one of the things that I'm working on right now is changing a lot of the books that have been taught for years to be more inclusive and things like that. Because, some of these children haven't seen people who are not like them, you know, mm-hmm. and may never if they don't move out of this town. So um, I think it's important to be around people who maybe aren't exactly the same as you, maybe don't have the same background as you, you know, on, on a ton of levels, whether we're talking about race or class or, you know, anything like that. Ah. Um, so I think that you know, it's important. Exposure is important, you okay. know, because that's where I took in a foreign exchange student a few years ago. Mm-hmm. And they started this after World War II. They saw the bloodshed of what was going on between the Japanese and the Italians and the Americans and the Germans. And they said, we're going to take Japanese students and put them in American homes and American students and put them in Japanese homes, right? Mm-hmm. Because you're, more, you're less likely to think of someone as your enemy if you're living with them. And, and rather than, oh, I just heard of some other kinds of people who aren't like me, you're not going to think of them the same way. So I think it's very important that, you know, things become more inclusive and people are exposed to different kinds of people who aren't like them because you're less likely to think of somebody as your enemy 
if you know them as your friend rather than just as some person that you've never met. You know what I'm saying? I feel you. So, yeah. I don't know. I think that, so I think that's how it connects growing up in different places showed me different ways of thinking and what worked better and what worked not as good, you know? Oh, yeah. So the more diverse the place, I think the better it's been in terms of how, you know, we, these people who grew up there relate to each other versus the place where I grew up that was not as diverse. Yeah, and, and I agree with that, too. You know, coming from an all-black city and then moving out to the Burbs uh, in my in my early years. Uh, it's so funny. I, tell, I was playing basketball one time out in this area called Centennial Park, Maryland. Real nice old park. And I'm um, hooping, playing ball. And then this random, like, nerdy Indian guy comes up. His name is Thoma, okay? And uh, if you, on the outside looking at him, he would think that he, he doesn't really play basketball. He wouldn't be aware of, you know, culture, sports culture. You know, uh, like, wearing, like, shorts that they go above their knees. He just looks like he works at, like, IBM or something, right? But we started talking basketball. You know, I'm shooting the ball around. He's shooting the ball around. We're, we're trying to, you know. And he's, I find out that he's a San Antonio Spurs fan. I find out that he really knows and cares about, like, the little nuances of basketball. And it, here it is, like, and he is, uh, I think he was in, he's an, um, archi- no, 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 no. He was um, accountant. Yeah. So he's an accountant. And, and me, I'm in sales working for a company. Um, and me from totally different side of the tracks. But yet we're made friends over basketball. And we, we're still friends on Facebook to this day. I check up on him, see how he's doing. And, um, that's, I mean, you can make friends like that. And, uh, you know, I just wish people would, tr- tr- I guess this new generation is doing that and they're used to that and it's a, norm- a normal thing. But I wish that more of the older generation, you know, 40s, 50s, 60s would even push, you know, even when I look at my dad, his friendship group is pretty much black, you know? He, he doesn't have any right. friends that are like other cultures. And I get it. He, you know, he graduated in 71 um, and uh, Baltimore just Ooh, desegregated school. 71? Yeah. Okay. Wow. Okay. Great. Yeah. 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 So seventy one. So you know, my dad doesn't have a racist bone in his body. You know, so I grew up listening to like Barbra Streisand, The Eagles, Chicago, but also Fresh Prince of Bel Air. But I, you know, I would like to have <laughs> seen him have other friends. Like I have a Korean friend. I have a, you know, da 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 friend. Um. So right. You know, that's that's interesting. But, but you know, I think. I think two things about that. Uh, it, it, which is, first of all, you're going to be friends with the people who sort of are around. Andrew. So if you're saying you went to segregated schools, of course, that's going to be your friend group because it's who you're around. And if you're part of a group that's been like marginalized, yeah. then of course you may have a distrust for certain other people who like, well, where are you coming from and what are your intentions exactly? You know what I mean? Yeah, I feel um, you. Yeah. Like I, I, you know, so like, of course that's going to be normal. But even in terms of like, you know, now the, maybe the past four guys, it sounds like I've dated so many people, but mm. the past four guys have dated have been black. Not that there's been a ton more. I mean, it's not like I've dated a ton of people, okay? But, yeah. but, um, but just when I was younger, I didn't because the town that I lived in, it was not very diverse. So yeah. it really, you know, it, sometimes it just has to do with who you're, you're near and around and who you're working with and who you're going to school with. That's who you become friends with. So, you know, if you're not around, at people who are different from you, like you're saying, like if he doesn't have, a, if he's not around Korean people, how would he have a friend, you know, unless where he works or, you know, or where he went to school had that, you know? I agree with you. So you say you've dated other cultures? Yes, yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. That's dope. Yeah, yeah. The guy I'm dating now is Jamaican. I, you know, I dated an Indian guy. I, uh, I dated, you know, there were white guys too, an Italian guy, a Jewish guy, I dated, you know. Yeah. Listen, I'm 45, so there's been a lot of years here. <laughs> <laughs> but you don't look one bit of 45, so I respect. So hold up, hey, audience. Yep, not one bit of 45. Oh, yeah, right, right. yeah. <laughs> so, um, 
But so yeah, getting back to that, uh, that's interesting. Yeah, the, uh, the best experience I've had was has been dating other cultures. I've dated you know Indonesian, a Canadian Indonesian. <laughs> I've, you know, oh yeah, and uh, I've wanted, to, I've I've gone on dates with uh, Korean women. I've gone on dates with um, what was the most interesting person I've ever dated? I've gone on a date with uh, you know Pakistani, um, Sri Lankan uh, folks. So yeah, you just you just yeah. kind of you know just kind of experiment, and it's just you learn so much more from people. But getting back to the comedy side of things, tell me about that experience when you said, you know what, I gotta do this comedy thing. There's something inside of me that wants me to get on that damn stage and talk some shit with people. Excuse my language, but that's just how I am. But <laughs> but what got you wanting to do that? So I mean, oh I. Because I moved around a lot and I was like kind of a weird kid in school. And I think part of that had to do with moving around a lot. I, I got made fun of endlessly and it was a survival technique to be funny. Like that's it. It was just like a matter of like, I need to do something to like not get my butt kicked. So like, <laughs> you know, you develop this, but you don't think of it as like a skill. I just thought of it as like, okay, how do I not die today? You know, mm-hmm. kids are throwing ice balls at me. Well, I'm coming home from school, like, I need to do something. So, and a lot of it was, like, making fun of myself because they were going to make fun of me, too. So, like, let me beat them to the punch, you know? Oh, wow. So, and I made fun of myself a lot. A lot of self-deprecation and stuff like that. I, it wasn't until later that I realized, oh, this is, like, a skill that people can do something with. Um, and so I, and, and I had some people in life tell me, like, oh, my God. You know, I'd see, like, strangers or I'd give a presentation in class and people would be, like, crying laughing. Mm. And I didn't know who they were. And they're like, you should go into comedy and stuff like that. And then I was like, oh, comedy. So I took a flyer for comedy class. This is like 1994, 1995. One of those. And I still have the pamphlet. Unfortunately, shortly thereafter, um, I became pregnant. So Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, that puts an end to things quickly. (laughs) That's something that'll kill your hopes and dreams. So uh, (laughs) I had to, (laughs) so it's like, I definitely couldn't afford to like go to open mics and like Mm -hmm. sit around all night, like telling jokes for no money, Mm -hmm. which is basically what comedy is. Unless -hmm. unless you really are in it a long time or really develop it. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, I had to like, I got a job at a video store when those existed. Remember that? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, And, I had to do what I could do to kind of make ends meet. Um, and so I had to put comedy on hold, but it was always in the back of my mind. And then a few years ago, my son moved out. He's an adult now. He's turning 25 in a few weeks. Congratulations. And he moved out in his 19th phase, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, he's, um, so about five years ago, he said, you know, I'm going to move out. He was moving to down in Austin, Texas. Okay. okay. And I was like, oh, wait, you know wait a minute, I could do those things. Like, I could have life now. <laughs> Remember that? I forgot <laughs> that people, like, can pick things that they actually enjoy doing and don't just do it because they need money. So, um, yeah, so then I I took a, a class. I saw, like, some, on someone's Facebook page I knew. You know when you're clicking around, just, like, stalking people? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You're clicking yeah. around, you click on your friend, and you're like, oh, let me see who that is. Let me do that. And then all of a sudden I saw a thing for, like, a three-week comedy class. And you didn't have to have material because all the classes were like, come with 10 minutes of material to work on. But I'm like, well, how do I get the material? That's the part I don't understand, yeah. <laughs> which is kind of a key. Yeah. But I'm like, I, I just don't understand how to like write it. I get how to make people laugh in real life. But like, you know, nobody knows who I'm talking. You don't know my mother. If I get on stage, I'm like, how do I do it? But this one, you didn't need material. Mm-hmm. So it didn't seem as intimidating to me. So I signed up for the class I, and I did the little show at the end. And it was like, so much fun like it was exciting mm-hmm. and I'm like I have nothing to lose you know 
Um, mm. Why not do this? So yeah. now I've been doing it for about two and a half years. Oh my goodness! I, re- I just, I just really respect the fact that you that you had the guts to do it. And my first introduction to comedy was right when COVID uh, nineteen started, and people heard it in other episodes. Um, you know, Second City. I've always heard about the world famous Second City in Chicago. Oh yeah. And I said, you know what? If I, I want to do this, right? So I spent like two, I think like two hundred bucks or some shit like that. Did a drop in class yeah. for uh, like uh, you know yeah. Second City for improv? the sketch comedy? Yeah, improv. Yep, to oh, pay like yes. two hundred bucks. Yeah. Did a drop in one on one, and um, we they, we did all these different exercises. It's about a two and a half three hour class, and um, by the end I had every and these are all mid Midwesterner white folks. You know, like like they look probably Polish. Right. Most you definitely had some Polish people yeah. in there. Uh, <laughs> I think legitimately. I'm not even trying to be funny, and um, and just the most. <laughs> just the most like Midwestern looking folks, you you know, think about like Chicago White Sox fans, you know, right. <laughs> that, 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 that Polish white looking folks. And so I'm making, I'm the only person of the only black dude, literally. And I'm making these, this group of eight to 12 people crack up in these, these different sketches and different things and exercises. And I said, huh. And, and then I started to tie all these other experiences I had at work and other environments where they're like, man, I can't, I got to come to work knowing that you're working. I, if I don't come to work, man, Rob, you make my day. And, and to do that, because life is hard. And as you know, you've experienced mm-hmm. life and things are tough and comedy, especially in the time that we're living with all the stress and, and frustration and tenseness in the world, comedians have never been more important. Um, and so I respect the fact that you had the guts to do it. Tell me one of your first, um, your virgin uh, com- stand-up comedy ways, you know, your open micer experiences, one of the most craziest ones where you're just like, whoa, this is what this is. All right, let me, let me readjust myself. You had anything oh, like, like experiences that? experiences yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, so one of the first, you know, in the first month I was doing it, you, you got to go to the open mic at the place for free after the class. So I'm like, oh, okay, I'll stay, but it was a pretty popular open mic. There were 50 comics. Of the 50, three were women. Three. So 47 were dudes, right? And oh. the guys were mostly like in their early 20s. Like, oh, so wow. I could be their mothers, really. So a lot, right? a lot, so of, anyway, lot of body part jokes got it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. It's, that's, those are the jokes. And I was, te- I wanted to tell a joke about um, those stupid gender reveal parties. Okay. But I'm like, they, they, so I'm like, you know, it's very hard to know because I'm like, nobody here can relate to this, cares about this. You know what I mean? But the part that stood out was, you know, it was summertime. I was wearing like jean shorts and I got cat called walking to the mic. And I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> like, um, so I have to fear for myself right now. Like, <laughs> to the mic. I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> it's like, welcome to the, so welcome to I, the stand up. Yeah. Exactly. So I thought that was interesting and it kind of set the tone for like, it, it was a good thing to experience early on because, you know, um, stand-up comedy is very male-dominated. Yes, it and, is. And, you yes, know, there's only a few women in, out there. So, you know, I, I mean, even a young woman, I don't know how old she is. She's just out of high school. And during COVID, you know, all these places were closed. So I'm doing an open mic on my deck in my yard. I have a big deck. Mm-hmm. And she said, can I come and stuff? And she's like, I just, oh, she said, do you know any safe places for women to do comedy? I'm very nervous because I know it's all guys. And, you know, a lot of open mic places are at bars and stuff and it's late at night and it's so interesting, you know, the things you have to think of, you know, as a woman is like, is this neighborhood safe? Is it safe late at night to walk to my car by myself? Like, are the other comp? I mean, male comics, let me tell you, like, 
they're hitting on you left and right. And I've not experienced, I'm a teacher Mm -hmm. during the day. So it's not the same kind of environment, but with men in stand-up comedy, you know, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of, I don't know what, there's a lot of unsolicited flirtation. I'm just trying to hang out with the guys and do my thing and tell my jokes. Like, you know, and they're all like, well, Hey, you know, I could get you on a show. (laughs) Like, Oh, okay. (laughs) Well, cool, cool your jets, buddy. Cool your jets. <laughs> so, so, so I'm just going to do a reenactment of your first time on the stage, okay? So Gina steps to the stage. Hold on, guys. Oh, she's walking. And then they're like, nice ass. Yeah. That ass. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. what? That's crazy. I'm sorry. I'm like, um... <laughs> that that can be intimidating again as you're getting used to the culture and stuff. Do you have like a favorite place that you like to do your open mics at around town, like a spot that you really like? Um, I don't know if there's a spot that I really like, you know, it's hard in New Jersey too, because it's like the same comics are at every open mic. It's a little different than if I were in New York city where there's so many different mics for different people. Okay. So that was one of my goals for this summer. I'm like, I want to get into the city cause you could do like six mics in a day. That's what and I heard. So one, I'm going to go Saturday and do all these mics, but then COVID hit. And so there went that. So <laughs> yeah. now do you, I have a question for you with your sets now. When you go to different spots, do you use the same set for diff- and just go to different spots with the same set, or do you like to mix it up a little bit, depending on the crowd? You know, I it took me a long time to even vary my set. I was very scared to do it. Mm-hmm. And, and my here's the upside of being a woman in comedy. The upside is, because there's fewer of us, um, I do think it helps me get booked in shows because shows want to have a token woman. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like there's going to be a token woman in the show and there's fewer, there's a smaller pool of us. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if there's only a few to choose from, I have more of a shot of getting in a show, I think, because there's so many more guys in the show. And they're like, well, we need one woman in the show. Yeah, oh, yeah. there's five women. Let me pick one. You know what I mean? Yeah. So the upside is I do think I, I've gotten booked in more shows. So how that answers your question, <laughs> I'm like, what was the question again? Mm-hmm. The question was, oh, so here's the thing. In my very first open mic, mm-hmm. There was somebody there scoping out to fill a spot in the show. So mm-hmm. I got in a show. And then once I was in that show, somebody, they asked me to come every month and be the host of the show. Wow. Um, and then from that, uh, people were seeing me and booking me in others. Like once you get booked in a show, then people see you for other shows. So the thing is, I was scared to bury my material because I was, after that first open mic, I didn't do another open mic for maybe a year because Damn. <laughs> I kept getting booked in shows. Which sounds like, oh, what a tough problem, Gina. Yeah. But, <laughs> but if the problem was, I wouldn't want to change my material because now there's pay, pay, people paying yeah. and someone who just booked me in the show who doesn't know me. Someone just booked me and I can't test out new material yeah. because what if it doesn't go well? Yeah. So I kept doing the same material for a long time and my family came. My brother's like, uh, maybe you could vary some of <laughs> I was like, nice too scared to try anything new, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know? Mm-mm-mm. So, um, but now I've been, I'm, I'm, I'm writing more now. Like, you know, I mean, I, I would vary a little bit, okay. but it was really hard because I'd have like, oh, it sounds so stupid what I'm complaining about. Like it was so hard because I was booked in all these shows, <laughs> you know, but <laughs> listen, it wasn't hard. That's awesome. It's just that it was hard for me to test out new material. That's the only problem. So now I'm finally like, 
feeling a little more freedom to do that and going to open mics and stuff like that. And doing hosting my own open mic on my deck helped because I felt like, oh, okay, I have this coming, so I have to prepare. And I love the fact that you do that for the, the shows you love. You truly do love it to open up your, your deck like that. I saw the I saw some photos on Facebook of it. it to do that, I really respect that. And that shows your love and of support. And we need that in comedy, uh, especially in people like you are, are, are bastions of positivity. Um, all right, so before we finish up then, I want to give me one of your, your killers, your first killers in terms of like when you, you first when you first started getting comedy give me give give our audience uh a nice set not like a five minute one but just like a joke or something that kills for for you back in the day uh, like he's like your go-to kill you got anything like that oh my goodness um okay uh uh okay <laughs> um I talk about bringing my son to I mean it never goes the same when you're not in front of an audience but yeah I got you um Maybe I'll, I'll say this. I, I talk about when I, I was little, my mother, my mother got me ready for disappointment because um, I, I wanted to have a sleepover. And I asked for a sleepover. My mother said, you didn't clean your room, so no sleepover. And I was pretty disappointed. And a few years later, I, you know, I, I wanted an ice cream cone. All I wanted was an ice cream cone. And my mother said, well, you didn't take your medicine. You're not getting the ice cream cone. I'm mm-hmm. shortening this for you. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and I said, and, and she said, I said, great, mom, you know, she, all I want is an ice cream cone. And she said, well, if you took your medicine and you cleaned your room, you would have gotten the ice cream cone. Mm-hmm. But listen, guys, I know that sounds terrible. She was a trickster, but don't feel bad because at least in a few years when I have to say to her, oh, mom, you're not coming home from the nursing home this weekend. I would have to feel bad. <laughs> but listen, you just, I, all you had to do was give me. That goddamn ice cream cone. <laughs> so, but whatever. I say it better on stage. But, the, 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 but I like the premise, though. I really like that. Yeah, my dad's, uh, he's, he's quite a, fa- a fascinating human being himself. And then you said you also have a brother? I do. Older yeah, or younger? He's three years younger. Okay, younger. He's okay. younger. He's three years younger than me, yeah. I have a younger sister, and it's like, oh, she had a, she had a um, chip on her shoulder. Oof. Did your brother have a chip on his shoulder or no? Really? No, my brother was so, he looked up to me like the big older sister, and I was like such a bratty older sister to him. Okay. Yeah, I have <laughs> an older like, sister too. I'm trying to get him in trouble. Oh, yeah, really? his sisters are annoying, you know. Well, <laughs> <laughs> we do. Oh, we're like, yeah. oh, we're going to just be annoying to our brothers. <laughs> but you know what it teaches you about uh, male and female relationships is like, you know, I learned that my sister, like certain people, you know, women, just to how to navigate and talk to them and when, how not to talk to them a certain way and just how to be a little bit more patient. You know, just having a brother and sister just does teach you a, little, a lot about just interpersonal stuff with conflict resolution. Maybe it might end in somebody getting poked in the eye. Um, I accidentally pushed my <laughs> sister out of a pickup truck, <laughs> truck one day uh, by mistake one day. We were just playing horsing around. I literally i'm so happy she didn't crack her head open but i accidentally pushed her out of a pickup truck i literally there's way more stories um i'll put on other episodes when she comes on but yeah she definitely took a fall out of a pickup truck because of me and uh oh my god well yeah i mean my brother i have friends with sisters and when they see me and my brother my brother and i would be wrestling and stuff my friends and sisters didn't do that yeah they're like what are you talking about i'm like yeah we put each other in headlocks of course that's what you do what do you mean like Mm -hmm. you don't do that like no but i'm sure as a as a a male 
having a sister, it does teach you things because girls react very differently from boys. Like, you know, they start crying and stuff. And oh, God. You know what kinds of things you can get away with and what you can't, you know? Oh, yeah. She could get an Academy Award for her, her, her uh, display of <laughs> the heartbroken sister. Dawson's Creek is not coming on TV today. Um, <laughs> but, Mr. Majo, it's been more than a pleasure to have you on. Tell us about uh, where we can find some of your stuff, if possible, or social media, how people can just get a hold of anything that you've done. Uh, social media. I'm on. Uh, I'm on Instagram. That's mm-hmm. the best place probably to find me. It's um, Ms. Gina DiMaggio. M S G I N A D I N A G G I O. Excellent. And one more time. So I'm. I'm going to my my literally my Instagram right now. I'm going to follow you. What, <laughs> what is, is it? How you spell again? M S Ms. Uh huh. Gina G I N A DiMaggio D I M A G G I O. Got you. Just requested you just now. Awesome. All right. Well, yeah. Well, it's been more than a pleasure to have you on. I look forward to having you on in season two. Um, I'm, like I said, I told my um, previous interviews that people will know that the music will be changing. I got a new intro Ooh. coming in. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna make it tight and right. But right. um, you're awesome. I love your energy. I just hope you continue, and I would love to do some um, just just hear from you again in the future. Yeah, so much fun. Thanks so much for having me. I had a blast. Excellent. And um, I look forward to trying some of the, your fried chicken. See uh, if you put a little Italian, uh, okay. Italian mix yes. on it or something. <laughs> Let me know when you're up in the Northeast. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Maryland's not far away from Jersey at all. But if you're in North Jersey, it's about, about three and a half hours. Not bad. Yeah, it's not bad at all. All right. Come on by. Oh, without a question. A pro deck mic. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, a deck mic. I like that. That's a new thing. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. So, guys, thanks so much. You can follow us on Instagram. We're uh, Rob the MC, R O B D A M C. You also can follow the Down the Rabbit Hole podcast on Instagram as well and on Twitter. And also, we are on Spotify, iTunes. Like, subscribe, share. Give us your feedback. We would love to hear that. So, peace. <laughs>